Hello, everyone, and welcome to the ACTUS podcast, a bi-weekly program dedicated to bringing you closer to the difference makers in CDI and sharing the latest news relevant to the CDI profession and ACTUS. I'm Linnea Archibald, the Associate Editorial Director for ACTUS, and I'll be your host for today's show, which is part of our Leadership with Linnea series. In every episode of this series, I'll be joined by one guest from the ACTUS Leadership Council ranks or a contributor from one of our ACTUS publications to discuss a topic relevant to leaders in the industry, whether or not they currently hold a traditional management title. Today's topic is transitioning from inpatient to outpatient CDI, and my guest is Haley Rufinski, RN, the Director of Outpatient CDI at Mayo Clinic Health System throughout the Midwest. Haley has 16 years of nursing experience and has been in the CDI field for more than 11 years. She has been in supervisor, manager, and director roles over an enterprise inpatient CDI team for nine years. In that role, she worked with her team to implement many new system-wide policies and procedures, created a quality assurance program, and expanded the scope and impact of the CDI program to include a focus on quality initiatives such as mortality and patient safety indicators. Currently, as the director of outpatient CDI for Mayo Clinic Health System, Haley has a team of 37 CDI specialists and coding staff, as well as a CDI supervisor. Her team covers more than 50 multi-specialty clinics throughout Wisconsin, Minnesota, and Iowa, directly supporting more than 800 primary care providers. Her team also works with the destination practices in Rochester, Florida, and Arizona. Also, as a quick reminder before our show really gets underway, the Actus podcast now offers 0.5 Actus CEUs for the first two days after airing, which can be used towards your CCDS or CCDSO recertification requirements. I'll share the instructions at the end of the show, so stay tuned for that. But before we jump into our topic, a brief word about today's sponsor. For the first time since 2019, the Actus Symposium Outpatient CDI is back for an in-person experience. The Actus Symposium is focused exclusively on CDI efforts in the outpatient and ambulatory setting and features innovative sessions and dynamic speakers you won't find anywhere else. This two-day event includes diverse sessions for both managers and leaders and clinical chart reviewers, including how to get started in the ambulatory setting, query techniques and nuances, metrics and analytics, staff training, and demonstrating a return on investment. Plus, take advantage of the many networking opportunities to connect with and learn from your peers. Smaller and more intimate than the annual ACTUS conference, the ACTUS Symposium Outpatient CDI is the perfect place to ask your questions about outpatient CDI, listen to case studies from organizations with successful programs, and equip yourself with practical resources and information that you can implement immediately. The ACTUS Symposium takes place immediately before the Actus National Conference at the Hyatt Regency Chicago, May 7th through 8th, 2023. If you want to stick around for the Actus National Conference immediately following the symposium, special discounts are available. Learn more at the link in today's show notes. And if you're planning to attend, do make sure to make your hotel reservation before the room block cutoff on April 14th, 2023. We can't wait to see you in Chicago. And now back to the show. So thanks again for joining me today, Haley. I'm excited to chat with you about your switch from inpatient to outpatient. I know you're new to this world and you are certainly not alone in that. According to our 2022 CDI Week industry survey, about 23.5% of respondents were planning to branch out into the outpatient space in the near future. And one of my favorite things about 
the podcast and our articles for that matter, and a lot of what we do at Actus, is that we can show other members and Actus friends that they're not alone in their struggles. It also gives them examples and advice from people who are really in the trenches with them when they most need that that support. And today, Haley, I think you're going to be providing some of that camaraderie. So to get us started, can you tell our listeners a bit about your background in CDI and where you're at now? And what does your outpatient program focus on? Absolutely. Thank you so much for having me. CDI has certainly grown and evolved over the years. I've been along for much of that ride and have experienced many different approaches. Uh, My background in nursing is in the acute hospital setting. Uh, My intro to CDI first started when I was an inpatient care manager, which at that time we did a little bit of everything from progression of care to utilization review, discharge planning, and there was a little sprinkle of CDI thrown in there. Um, So this care management department was actually moving towards creation of a standalone CDI team. I didn't quite know what that was at the time, but I thought it sounded really interesting. So I moved into the role of a CDI nurse reviewer, and I haven't looked back since. Um, So after a few years as a CDI nurse, my career evolved into leadership roles, always maintaining um, that CDI So along the journey, I've seen transitions from paper queries to DRG books to technology enhancements and everything from DRG optimization to expanding into quality and beyond. With the evolutions of CDI, an area that I've found increasingly intriguing is the field of outpatient CDI. And I'm very fortunate to have been given the opportunity uh, to join the Mayo Clinic OCDI team about three months ago now. So although I've had some experience on the periphery of outpatient work, there is a lot that I'm learning in my new role. And I know outpatient can mean a lot of different things for different programs. Our team's focus is building appropriate risk profiles for our patient population. So much of this work is carried out with our primary care providers uh, within our health system clinics that are throughout the Midwest. We've expanded that work to include supporting some specialties through the health system. Um, And we also support our three destination practices in Rochester, Florida, and most recently Arizona, supporting the pre-op evaluation clinics there. So again, in all of these settings, the focus is to ensure the disease burden of our patients is appropriately captured through accurate documentation and coding of medically impactful conditions. That's awesome. And I think you're not alone. I know a lot of our survey data has found that most folks in the outpatient space are focusing on that risk adjustment piece and capturing HCCs is often part of that and um, all of that. And it is, it's a totally different world than inpatient. So three months in, I would imagine you're still feeling a little underwater, but I 
I am sure that folks in our audience are feeling the same way. So I think you just provided them uh, a little bit of, of camaraderie there. So thank you for that. One of the biggest adjustments that I often hear folks talk about regarding the switch from inpatient to outpatient is that the workflows are very different because the pace of outpatient settings is so different from inpatient. So on the inpatient side, the patient may be in the hospital for several days, meaning that the CDI staff can easily review records concurrently before that patient is discharged. And of course, on the outpatient side, things are much faster and concurrent reviews are usually not feasible. So in your experience, how do the workflow and your CDI processes differ in outpatient versus what you were used to on the inpatient side? And how did you adjust to that difference? You are absolutely right. I think one thing that surprised me the most with transitioning to outpatient is that in our practice, we do not query providers. So when you think of the fast turnaround time of an outpatient visit, you know, 30 minutes in and out for that appointment and the massive volumes of encounters, there really isn't time to review the documentation and ask for clarification and get a response. Um, Logistically, it just doesn't work. So my CDS team works prospectively. We review records in advance of the patient visit. Um, And what they do is they collect information on medically impactful diagnoses and they tee that up for the providers so that it's available to the provider at the time of the patient visit. To do this, having effective point-of-care tools has been an essential piece of that process. So these tools help the providers and support their workflow, um, especially on cases that we may have not had the chance to do a pre-review for. We actually do also have a team of coders that are certified in risk adjustment. They review a portion of provider records retrospectively. However, again, here, the process does not include querying. So they will review the records, they will make coding corrections as necessary based on coding guidelines, and then their findings are then used as educational opportunities or workflow enhancement opportunities for the providers. That's awesome and quite a lot different than the inpatient side. So I can I can see that being a bit of a transition. One of the other big adjustments that we often hear is that tracking CDI success in the outpatient setting can be more complicated than proving success on the inpatient side, partly because there's sort of a lack of tools on the market, and then partly because the reimbursement models are prospective in nature as well. So how do you track your impact as a leader? What metrics are you using to show that impact? And how have you seen your efforts maybe start to pay off in the data? Yeah, this can certainly be tricky uh, because we aren't able to give exact numbers or get immediate returns. Um, However, we know our work in the outpatient setting does have a significant impact on both quality and financial outcomes, especially as there is an increase in risk-based and value-based contracting. Um, So it gets more complex as it's not where the provider captures a diagnosis and we get paid a certain amount more dollars on that claim. I work with a brilliant physician. He's built this outpatient program and continues to lead our program, uh, Dr. James Manns. And I'm going to take one of his analogies because I love using this and it's a little bit of a a Midwest example for you all. 
but he likes to compare our work to farming or cultivating a crop. So first we have to prepare the soil and then we need to plant the seed and care for the crops. And eventually, hopefully, we'll be able to harvest that crop. But along the way, we don't know exactly what that crop yield will be. So there's really a need to have strong leading metrics and proxy metrics that can kind of help gauge if you're on track. Um, so I can give a, a few examples. Uh, we utilize the EPIC HCC BPA tool heavily in our program. So we monitor the process metric of provider use of that tool. And we watch this by region, by clinic, uh, even by provider, and we establish interventions if there are any areas that we are drifting. And that really helps us see how we'll be doing with HCC recapture rates and adoption of those medically impactful conditions. Then we also have some proxy metrics that help give us an idea of how we're doing with capturing patient complexity. Uh, so this includes, for example, um, how often our providers are capturing complex hypertension as compared to essential hypertension or diabetes with or without complication. And then one last example I'll give on ways we try to gauge how successful that harvest will be, uh, so to say, is by reviewing comparative data that we get from our payers and CMS to gauge how we're doing and benchmark our performance. That's awesome. And I, you know, I'm not from the Midwest, but I do love gardening. So that analogy works really well for me too. So uh, shout out to Dr. Manns um, for that one. That's a great, great analogy there. So obviously, provider education and engagement is one of the central pieces of CDI work, regardless of the setting. So how have you interacted with the outpatient providers in your, your new role? Have any particular engagement methods worked better for you on the outpatient side, even if maybe they weren't quite as effective on the inpatient side? Sure. I, I think the foundational elements of why this work is so important is actually quite similar. You know, we need to ensure we're accurately reflecting the severity of illness and the disease burden of our patients. And there are endless financial and quality reasons that we can provide to show why that's important, you know, including importance to the plan of care for each individual patient. One of the most impressive accomplishments with the outpatient CDI team here at Mayo Clinic Health System is the physician engagement. And this has been a combination of efforts over the years from practice leadership to strong physician leadership within our program and at the elbow support uh, that each of our CDS staff provides. Um, so that support our team delivers to providers is truly above and beyond anything I've seen um, with previous programs. And it's a, a really key piece to our success. As we discussed previously about not querying providers, I think that really it takes provider engagement to that next level. Um, and there's even higher stakes there. So we really work to empower the providers to support their workflows. Again, we aren't reviewing every case or reviewing all of their documentation. Um, so the CDS need to work with them to provide those point of care tools to make it easy for them to document and code the appropriate conditions. 
Absolutely. I hadn't even thought about the fact that without the query piece, you're sort of losing one of the touch points that CDI typically has with providers. So having that that front end engagement is going to be even more important in a lot of ways because you're not having that back-end query process to maybe address some of the issues that are cropping up there. So that's a great point. So for those on the inpatient side, so you just a few months ago, is there anything that you have learned in your outpatient journey that you think would have helped you on the inpatient side? And then what can your inpatient colleagues do to help support the outpatient efforts? Sure. Um, As I mentioned, a large part of our work is done prospectively. Um, So moving our work upstream. And I think there are areas of work that impact inpatient metrics and risk profiles that would benefit from a similar approach. An example of this is the work with our preoperative evaluation clinics that focus on planned inpatient procedures and capturing appropriate risk profiles for those inpatient admissions. Another big focus for our program is arming providers with, again, the useful tools that they need at the point of care. So, you know, my team works to help them set up their EPIC screens for ease of navigation and developing speed buttons and using EPIC calculators to show them how they can get the appropriate and most specific code or documentation. And then, as as you mentioned, on the inpatient side, there's that safety net um, of being able to send queries for that ambiguous documentation or the need for greater specificity. Uh, But I think implementing more robust tools at the time that the provider is doing their documentation could potentially help decrease that query burden and support providers in getting their documentation right upon that initial pass. Absolutely. It's really a a big role of CDI, I feel like, particularly now when the administrative burden is such a big constraint for providers, is really coming alongside them and making their lives easier and not just, you know, we'll, we'll find it in a query, but actually addressing the root issue and helping the providers kind of do it right the first time, if you will. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I love that outpatient has sort of enabled you to do that in a way since you are doing prospective reviews you're not querying it's a little bit more collaborative i would think with the provider in some ways yes absolutely so obviously even with kind of the best education and preparation you can never really fully be prepared to step into a new role for the first time so What surprised you most about your move from inpatient to outpatient? And as we close out the conversation today, do you have any advice for those who are stepping into an outpatient position for the very first time? Yeah, there are a few key concepts that I would rely on in the inpatient setting uh, that I've kind of had to adjust or move away from. One example is that often when I was an inpatient and educating providers, I would emphasize the need to be descriptive in their documentation, in their assessment and plan, and not to worry too much about the code specifics because a coder would typically pick those up and apply the appropriate code on the back end. In our practice, there are not coders reviewing 100% of records that go out the door, um, which is quite common for outpatient 
practices. So I just had to adjust some of those key educational concepts or catchphrases that I would use when educating providers. In terms of what I've kind of learned from inpatient to outpatient or what surprised me, I think I underestimated the learning curve from a coding standpoint. So the conditions that we look for on the outpatient setting are a little bit different than inpatient. Um, and it's really training your brain to think differently during those reviews and look for those chronic reoccurring conditions. So with my inpatient experience, I can rattle off the definition of acute respiratory failure in my sleep. Um, but that's not something we often encounter in the outpatient world. So uh, now I'm having to learn criteria for specificity of depression and asthma classifications, uh, for example. And I would say along those lines, for those stepping into the outpatient world from inpatient, some advice I would give is really just to be humble. There are going to be things that you don't know that you have to learn and you'll have to give yourself grace. The inpatient scope deals with very complex acute patients, but there's a whole new and different set of challenges in working through chronic conditions that span years and can fluctuate during those years. They can um, fluctuate with different severities or maybe even resolve completely. Uh, so less acute doesn't necessarily mean an easier review, um, and you need to give yourself time and grace as you learn those ropes. And lastly, uh, words of encouragement, I would say just know and keep in mind that if you are uh, brave enough to take the step and the journey into outpatient CDI, just know that what you're doing is really making a true impact on population health management. You know, that is huge. This is where all healthcare organizations are looking to transform healthcare by managing the health of their full populations. And I think contributing to that is something to be really proud of. Absolutely. And you really are, you're making a difference for patients and for your community in outpatient in a way that maybe wouldn't be the case on inpatient, just because you're not going to see all your patients in the population on the inpatient setting. Not all of them are going to be admitted to the hospital. So, um, that that impact, I think, is really valuable and heartening, I would think, for CDI professionals who really do want to make a difference for patient care. So I think that's a lovely way to end. Thank you so much, Haley. This has been a really wonderful conversation. Unfortunately, we have run out of time for our discussion today. But as always, if our audience has any questions about this topic or anything else, you can feel free to email the ACTUS team at info at actus.org. I will also put that email address in today's show notes, which are available on the show page at actus.org and in your podcast app, so you can grab it from there. Now it's time for the Actus Update, a regular segment featuring the latest news on what's going on inside the association. First, I want to remind everyone that Actus's annual membership survey closes this Friday, March 31st. If you haven't responded yet, we would love your input on this important survey. The Actus team prides itself on how engaged our membership is, and we value your input when setting the direction for the organization. While we certainly speak with our members informally all the time throughout the year, the membership survey is our formal method to hear your needs, desires, and ideas for Actus. 
Over the years, the membership survey results have led to new products being developed, new resources posted on the Actus website, more free CEU opportunities, and more. In fact, part of the reason the Actus podcast now offers 0.5 CEUs per episode is because of feedback we received on the membership survey. The survey is open to both members and non-members, and it gives respondents the opportunity to provide feedback on both our free and members-only resources and offer thoughts on the future of the association. As a token of our gratitude, those who fill in their contact information at the end of the survey will be entered into a giveaway. I encourage all of you to respond using the link in today's show notes by the deadline of March 31st, and we really appreciate your insight. Secondly, the cutoff for article submissions for the May-June edition of the CDI Journal is just around the corner on Monday, April 3rd. This edition will be focused on management and leadership, but you need not hold a formal leadership title to submit articles. If you have insight to share about leading a project, time management, leveraging technology, or really anything else, we want to hear from you. Contributor articles tend to be 750 to 1,500 words long, and we do offer access CEUs at the rate of 0.5 CEUs per 350 published words for those who are accepted in the journal. If April 3rd is too tight of a turnaround for you, I would highly encourage you to consider submitting an article for a future edition. The July-August edition's deadline is June 1st, and the topic will be education and engagement, so mark your calendar and send us an email with any questions. All of the 2023 journal edition topics and deadlines are posted on the Actus website under the Publications tab in the FAQ section, which I will also link to in the show notes today. You can send your journal submissions and questions to the Actus team at info at actus.org or directly to me at larchibald at actus.org and associate editor Jess Flugel at jflugel at actus.org. Finally, if you're planning to attend the Actus National Conference, the Actus Symposium Outpatient CDI, or our Physician Advisor Precon, make sure to book your hotel room now to take advantage of the Actus room block and special rate. The Hyatt Regency Chicago is offering a special room rate of $229 per night plus any taxes and fees for conference attendees until Friday, April 14th, or while rooms are still available. Do note that hotel rooms may sell out earlier than the cutoff date, so don't wait to book your stay in the same building as the conference. The hotel is located in the heart of downtown Chicago and not only offers easy access to all the conference events, but also to all the sightseeing and experiences that the Windy City has to offer. If you're looking for recommendations for what to do during your stay in Chicago, when of course you're not enjoying the Actus educational and networking opportunities, the Actus team offered a free webinar featuring a Chicago local to offer advice for your trip. As with the other updates I covered today, you can find the link to book your hotel room, register for the conference, and listen to our free webinar in today's show notes, which are available in your podcast app and on the Actus website. As a reminder, before we close out, each Actus podcast episode now offers 0.5 Actus CEUs, which can be used towards recertifying your CCDS or CCDSO credential for those who listen to the show in the first two days from the time of publication. To receive your 0.5 CEUs, go to the show page on actus.org by clicking on the Actus podcast link under the resources tab and then clicking on today's episode from the list on that page. 
Then simply follow the instructions in the show notes for today's episode. Your certificate will be automatically emailed to you upon submitting the brief evaluation. The cutoff for today's episode CEU is Friday, March 31st at 11 p.m. Eastern. After that point, the CEU period will close and you will not be eligible for the 0.5 CEUs for this week's episode. If you were to listen to all of the episodes and claim all the CEUs for the podcast episodes this year, including our past episodes and today's, you'll have earned 13 free CEUs for the year. With that, we have reached the end of today's Actus podcast episode. We'll be back in two weeks on Wednesday, April 12th for our next show, which will be part of our Talking CDI series hosted by Actus Director of Programming, Rebecca Hendren. Rebecca is going to be joined by Actus Interim Director, Lori Prescott to discuss the upcoming HCC changes, so you don't want to miss that episode. If you would like to receive reminders about each episode, make sure you're subscribed to our free weekly newsletter, CDI Strategies, which always includes a link to the new episode when it's available. You can listen to the show anytime on the Actus website or via Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, or your favorite podcast app. All of the links we discussed during today's episode will be available in the show notes. And as always, we'd really appreciate it if you would take a minute to leave us a five-star review on your podcast app to help others find our show. Our intro and outro music is Media Noche by Dion Key, and our ad music is Take Me Higher by Jazzar, both obtained from the free music archive. If you have any suggestions for future guests or topics, please email us at info at And until next time, take care, everyone.